Sunday of the year. It's our first um, come together Sunday of the year. We've got kids in with us. Hey, if you see a kid right next to you, turn to him and say, I'm glad you're in here today. Tell him, I'm glad you're here today. <clears throat> you know, we love having kids in with us. And so um, today we're going to have communion as part of the come together service. We also um, have the Nazars with us from Honduras this morning. And so they're going to be sharing with us for a few minutes um, after, well, after our announcements, which we'll play here in a minute. And then, of course, this afternoon, we're also having our special installation service at 2 o'clock um, to celebrate and install me as the new senior pastor. And uh, so this morning, I, I get the honor and privilege of preaching my first sermon as your new senior pastor here at Abundant Life. So it's a special Sunday, you know. Let's, uh, let's begin this morning just by saying a word of prayer and agreeing for God's blessing on our time together this morning. Lord, we gather here today to worship you, to honor you, to praise you, and to hear your word, Lord. I pray that you are in this place this morning as we gather together for the purpose of meeting for you, Lord, and hearing from you, God. And so we come expectant this morning of great things. We come expectant for this service. We come with expectation for this new year, 2020, Lord. You have great things ahead, great things in store, and we're so glad that we're a part of it. We're so glad you're a faithful God that stays with your people and works with your people. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Good morning, everybody. We're happy to be here, you know, in this nice weather, you know. We have 85 right now in Honduras, you know. But we're happy, you know, and be part of the, what's happened right now in Abundant Life, you know. Happy to meet Pastor Isaac, you know, and... I know 2020 is going to be a good year, you know, because the Bible say in Psalm 84, 7, that we're going in power and power, and we're going to see God. How many say, say amen? Amen. amen. And we're going to just, the people from Honduras send his love, you know. They're excited about the mission trip this year, you know, in August. And we want to encourage, you know, to people in here to believe to come to Honduras this year, you know? Uh, Psalm 2.8 say, uh, ask me and I will give you the nations. You know, you can say, God, I want the nation of Honduras. You know, I want to go and be a blessing to Honduras. Amen. Well, Edward just shared everything I was going to say. <laughs> we, we had it split up, but he spilled over into my part, so that's okay. Um, but we're just, we're always thrilled to be back with our Abundant Life family, and I think one of the greatest blessings, um, you know, I lived in Honduras for many years, but there's just something so different now um, because the body of Christ, I feel like Abundant Life Ministries is so much more a part of what is going on in Honduras, and a lot of that is due to be that many of you have been able to come down to Honduras, and um, our church body has been able to meet our church body here in, in Iowa, and we just, we love the connection. We're excited for all of you that are praying about coming, and we just believe that um, everything that you will need to come, whether that's finances, whether that's um, just the, the way to be able to get out of your work or whatever for a week, um, we're believing for a powerful week of salvation and blessing for the nation of Honduras, and um, we're just, we're thrilled. I just want to reiterate um, what, a, what a blessing it is, Pastor Isaac, to um, 
have you as, as pastor of Abundant Life Ministries now and for us to be able to be connected under your leadership and, um, well, Pastor Dave and Becky, there, there's just no words for how, how special you are to us and to our church body. And so, um, you know, th- this wasn't part of our, you know, we were just coming home for Christmas and, and we're just thrilled that we can be a part of all of this and um, that our church can be under um, this amazing mission-minded and heart covering that Abundant Life Ministries is. So so praise God. We're happy to be here. We're going to have a great morning this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Can we give them a hand? Thank you so much. For and aren't you grateful that our God is big and he reaches the whole world? Yes. There is no place that his power cannot touch. Yeah. And praise God, we're a part of what he's doing in other parts of the world. Amen. It's a great thing to be part of the body of Christ because his body is wide-reaching. At this time, uh, if you are a child or a teacher, you can be dismissed to your class, all right? So kids, you can head out to your classes. And for the rest of us, it's time to get into the Word. Are you excited about that? Yeah. Yeah. Why don't we pray? And just bless our time of, of study this morning, our time looking into God's Word. Father God, we thank you that your Word contains truth for our lives today, that it's apl- applicable, it is encouraging, it, it fills every need that we have. And so, Lord, as we get into your Word today, I thank you for ministering to us, making it alive as you've said it is, and speaking to every need that we have of it today. Lord, thank you for knowing what it is we need to receive and being good to give us that wisdom and revelation. We believe this, we pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, as Bill mentioned here just a few moments ago as we were getting the picture taken, it's kind of a special day here at the church, isn't it? It's kind of a special moment. It's kind of a a big moment. You know, a, a church that's had the same pastor for 38 years to have a new pastor standing in the pulpit on a Sunday morning is its kind of a big deal. <laughs> it's kind of a, a big moment in our church's history. And I love, Bill, what you said about the mile markers because that, that fits so appropriately in what I'm going to share this morning. That as we go through life, we have moments that are markers we look back on. We have moments that years from now, We will remember and say, that moment was significant. That was a time where God did something significant in my life. Uh, A name I'd like to give to these moments this morning, if we'll put the background up, is a pivotal moment. Pivotal moments. Now, I gave a definition. Well, I'm going to give you a definition this morning of pivotal and the pivot. Because I believe that appropriately fits what this morning is for us, for our church. A pivot is a thing that plays a central part in an organization, in a person, or in a thing. Another definition says something of vital or critical importance in a person, in a thing, in an organization, in a church. Something that is pivotal is vital. It's important. It's central. And some other characteristics of a pivot are that in a pivot, there is adjustment that can be made. There there are 
moments of evaluation in a pivot. You know, we think maybe in terms of sports. I know Grandpa liked to preach a lot about sports, and I, I'm, I don't watch as many sports as he did, so you might not get as many of these as you used to, but I'll try to fit one in every once in a while, okay? So, so a pivot in a basketball player. Now, I'm not a professional basketball player, so if, give me some, some mercy, okay? The pivot is the moment when you stop and you have one foot planted and you move. You turn, you adjust, you evaluate what's going on around you and determine what direction you need to move in order to be successful in making a basket. Right? It's a moment of evaluation and adjustment. And it's critical to the importance of success. Another characteristic of um, pivots, which I'm going to talk about a little bit later this morning, is that they're a time of vulnerability. You're, You're vulnerable in a moment of pivot Because if you're adjusted the wrong way, if you misstep in a time of pivot, you end up um, going the wrong direction. You end up passing the wrong way. You end up on the wrong course, heading towards a wrong destination. And so one of the things I I hope to do this morning, as we look at uh, a biblical example of the pivot, I want to give you four things that we need to know. Four things we need to hold on to in our moments of pivot in life. And I believe that this message is applicable and encouraging for us because we all have big moments in life, don't we? You can probably think of some of the moments you've had that were pivotal in where you are now. And so these are things we need to know in our own lives as we move and we have these big moments. But also as a church, as a ministry here, we need to be on the same page that these are four things we carry with us through this time of pivot, through our time of adjustment and transition, four things that we're going to hold on to. So I'm going to get to those here in just a little bit, but I'm going to keep you waiting, all right? (laughs) Say, what are the four things, Pastor Isaac? You'll know soon, I promise. (laughs) So this church is where I want to start. And I know we've talked a lot about our history the last month or two, but I think that's important to do. I think it's important to value and to know the history of where you are because it helps you understand how you got to where you are today. And it helps you understand where you're headed tomorrow. Knowing where you came from helps you know where you're going. And so I wanted to start this morning by talking about some of the pivotal moments that this church has had up to this point in time. In 1978, there was a group of people that got together in a Bible study and decided to form a church. Tell me if I get any of this wrong, okay? Pastors Emerita and Emeritus. (laughs) That's their new title, you know. There was a group that formed out of a Bible study, and they decided to begin a church that would be called Loving Shepherd Fellowship, later to be known as Abundant Life Ministries. Glory. In 1982... Pastors Dave and Pastor Becky Schroeder were called and brought back to Jefferson, Iowa to be the pastors at Abundant Life Ministries. They've been here for 38 years doing that work. Can we give them a hand and celebrate that one more time? I know your retirement service was last week, but it's, it's just too worth celebrating. That was a pivotal moment for this ministry. When they came as pastors, and I don't know if you knew at the time that you'd be here for almost four decades, But you came and said yes. And that was a moment of adjustment that God used to set the course that Abundant Life would take for the next 38 years. In 1984, ground broke and building began on this very church that we're in today. 
And then a year later in 1985, that first service was held in this sanctuary. And we're still here. That was a pivotal moment because there was adjustment that we have our own space now. We have our own place of worship now. We can hold things to bring the community in and teach them about Jesus. We can, we can do more in this space. We can worship without uh, limits of, of these are the days we're in, these are the days we're out, these are the times we can use, these are the times we cannot. It was a pivotal moment because it allowed for more to happen in the future. In 1994, Abundant Life Ministries began going into the prison in Rockwell City, bringing the message of hope and grace to those that needed to hear it there. And from that, many other programs have been started in the prisons. We, we've been in, I think, two different prisons. We're still in Fort Dodge now, and I believe we were in Newton for a time as well. Countless lives of, of men changed. And, and women, weren't we in a women's prison for a while too? People changed because of a moment of pivot in the ministry where God spoke and said, this is what we're doing next. Make this adjustment so that we'll be on course. And pastor said, yes. Lord, I will adjust. I will stop the forward motion, evaluate and adjust appropriately so we can be effective and efficient in doing the ministry of our King Jesus. Moments of pivot. Throughout the 2000s, many more moments like that continued where more prisons were added, more ministries were added to this place. People were sent out into the world, into our nation. Ministry was done because individuals said yes to the adjustments God wanted them to make. You know, we've got a, a number of people who have, have served overseas in this sanctuary this morning. When you get a call to leave the comfort of the life you know, God's asking you to pivot. He's saying, you're, you're headed this direction now, and I know your intention and your destination are right, but I want to make an adjustment so that you can be more in line with the path that I have for you to walk for the course of your life to be in my perfect will for you. Time to pivot. And it's because of people making pivotal choices in pivotal moments that God's ministry continues to be sent throughout all the world. Amen. Because of people making the choice to say yes in pivotal moments, to adjust in pivotal moments, Abundant Life Ministries has had effect in our local body. Would you raise your hand if you've been touched by this ministry, if your life is different because of the ministry that goes from this place? That's because someone said yes to a pivot. Green County, surrounding counties in Iowa have been touched by this ministry, by the events that go out from here, by the people that go out from here, because people said yes when God asked them to adjust. The states of Iowa and surrounding areas are touched every summer because Someone said yes to an adjustment to start holding a, a camp that would bring children in and teach them about Jesus Christ every summer. I'm a product of somebody's pivot. The world, as I mentioned earlier, has been changed for Christ because people said yes to making adjustments that God asked them to make. Do you see the power of a pivot? Do you see the importance of a pivot? Well, this morning, I believe Abundant Life Ministries is going through another pivotal moment where a new pastor has stepped in. And many of us are probably thinking or wondering, where are we headed now? <laughs> What's next? Well, let me tell you this. When God makes a change, 
the destination doesn't change. The destination is still Christ. The destination is still for people to hear the gospel all throughout the world. The destination stays the same, even if the path is adjusted. You know, as I thought some about travel and, and how we make adjustments in travel plans, has anybody ever pulled up like Siri or IMAP on your phone and you type in an address and then they give you like five different options about how to get there? And they're like, well, this option has less miles, but it's going to take longer because it's low speeds or traffic. They give you lots of options, right? Have you ever had this happen where you're traveling and all of a sudden you make a wrong turn and then there's a moment where Siri starts pivoting and Siri says, rerouting, rerouting, and then you get a new course of action to take. See, it's, it's not about changing your destination and where you're headed. It's about finding the most efficient way to get there, the most effective way to get there so that you will be blessed and so that everyone at your destination will be blessed in an efficient time. We want to get to God's goals for us quickly, don't we? Yes. We, we want to be diligent and fervent about pursuing the ministry God has for us to do. And so my encouragement, and, and I'm going to go on and talk about this more in the message, but I feel like it's appropriate to say it right now. We're not changing our destination as a ministry. Amen. That is not changing. Our mission, the place we're going, is not changing. If I tried to be Pastor David Schroeder, I would fail. I have to be Pastor Isaac Wangler. God's put things in me that he didn't put in him, and he's put things in him that weren't in me. And it was all for the season of time that he called us to the place that we would be. I'm not going to be him. And thank God for that. He's an incredible man, a man of faith, and I respect him on such a high level. But praise God, he made me me, and he made him him. And I guess what I'm getting at with that point this morning is I'm not going to try to be something I'm not as a pastor, and I'm not going to imitate someone else because I believe that God has made me who I am so I can do the work he's called me to do here. And so there may be adjustment. There may be different ways that things are done as we coming through years, as we go through years, things may adjust, things may change. He's been a man of change. He talked about that last week, how he's changed to be effective in the work of the ministry. We're going to continue doing that, continue adjusting so that we can reach our goal effectively. Amen. Let's look at a biv- biblical pivot. And see four things that we all need to know in our times of adjustment in life. I believe it's appropriate today to look at Joshua as he was appointed the new leader of Israel. We're going to go to Joshua 1 and read verses 5 through 9. But before I do, I want to set this passage of scripture in context. What had just happened is um, Israel had, had come to the Jordan. They were close to crossing over into the promise And Moses had had just gone and died. Moses had gone up on the mountain and left Israel. Now, I will say this. Though I'm using this as a a comparative example, we do have some differences between us and Israel. The first one, which I'm very grateful for, is my predecessor hasn't gone up to the mountain to die. He's sitting in the front row this morning. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Aren't you glad that he's still here and still going strong? Amen? 
So I'm glad that that's a difference. Another difference is that Israel had been wandering in the desert for 40 years, and this church has been doing great things for God for 40 years. We don't have a heritage of being lost in a desert. We've known where we're going, and we're going to keep knowing where we're headed. And so it's time for Israel to enter into the promised land. Moses has left Israel, gone on to heaven. And now Joshua, a relatively young leader compared to Moses, is standing before God's people with the responsibility to lead. And this is the conversation God has with Joshua. He says, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions the word Moses gave you. Do not deviate from those instructions, from the word, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And what I love about this scripture is it takes the emphasis off the leadership of a man and it puts the emphasis on God. It says, Joshua, you're not that important. God is. I am the one who leads. I am the one who prospers you. I am the one who brings the promise to come. I am the one who causes you to succeed. It wasn't Moses. I worked through Moses, but it wasn't him. He wasn't the source, and neither will you be. You'll be someone I work through, but you don't have to carry the responsibility of figuring everything out because I'm going to give you the instruction. I'm going to lead you. I'm going to prosper you, and here are the four things you need to know to do that. Four things we need to know in the pivot. And the reason we need to know these, I mentioned this at the beginning, if the pivot isn't protected, you can get off course. You can get turned around. You can end up at the wrong destination. And I think that the devil is especially tactical in wanting to attack people in their pivot. He likes coming after you in your times of adjustment. When things are changing in life, I think that's when he likes to show up the most. Because I think it's easy to just keep going forward. If you're headed in one direction and you know where you're going and you're full speed. I mean, like, have you ever seen a semi just like cruising down the interstate? You're not stopping that thing. It's going to keep on going the way it's been going. But when you slow down and you're trying to figure out how to navigate a mall parking lot or something <laughs> that's complex to figure out how to steer and, and find your destination, you're a little bit more vulnerable. In your times of turning and adjusting so that you are set on the right course, you're vulnerable. If you get steered the wrong way, have you ever taken a wrong turn somewhere? It was in your time of pivot, in your time of adjustment. If he can get you going the wrong way, then you're headed for the wrong destination. So it's important that in times of change, we protect ourselves with the word, with these four things. 
that I believe God wants us to know in times of pivot. The first one is this. And I feel like this is the theme of, of Joshua 1, 5 through 9, is that God is faithful. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will not leave you. He will not abandon you. This is his promise to Joshua then. It's his promise for us today. He will not leave and he will not change. He is the same yesterday and forever. And he's faithful. We see it all through the word. He's faithful, faithful, faithful to deliver Israel. Faithful to provide for Israel's needs through the wilderness. Faithful to bring them the promise that he gave them. Faithful to help them conquer the enemies that the devil put before their path. He is faithful. Amen. And he's faithful in our lives today. If the devil can get you to forget that God's faithful, then you're susceptible to attack. But when you have faith and believe that God is the same, you are like that truck moving forward. The devil cannot turn you away. He cannot lead you in the wrong path because you know I am protected by my Father in heaven. Faithfulness. It's not about the man in this instance. It's about our God and his quality of unending faithfulness. 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 3 says, But the Lord is faithful. He who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. Hallelujah, that's a good promise. That he will establish us and guard us from the evil one. The devil has no power. Because our God is faithful. And because his faithfulness doesn't end, if we'll just stick in line with him, we are guarded. We are protected. We're good to go. Hallelujah. He will not fail. And his faithfulness allows us to possess what he's promised. That's part of faithfulness. Is that what I told you you would have is what I'm going to give you. Have you ever had somebody not come through? And then you end up questioning. You say, oh man, well, I wonder if they're really going to do what they said they would do. I wonder if they'll really come through on that. We don't have to ask those kinds of questions about God. Because he always comes through. He's never failed us. And he never will. He keeps being faithful. And what he's promised in his word has always come to pass. And it's still true today. What he's promised in his word is what will come to pass. The second thing I believe we need to know in our times of pivot is that we must stay grounded in the word. We need to be word people. He said, study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. He gave us the points to success. Have you ever like listened to a speaker who's like got the 10 keys to success in your business or 10 keys to success in your marriage or 10 keys to success? In, it's always 10, right? There's always 10 keys or three. Well, God gave us, let, let me see how many, how many he gave. It's uh, my, my Bible is 1,000 and... 63 pages long. So those are the pages that tell us how to be successful. And if we'll study this continually and get it in our mind and get it in our heart by meditating on it day and night, we will be successful in all we do. And it's not because our power is great. It's because God already told us how to do it. And when we study it and we meditate it and we get the word in us, 
we can be successful because the word is true and the word brings success. And so if we stick with God's plan, we cannot fail because just like he is faithful, his word is faithful to always be true. So we need to be word people. And then the third thing, building upon the need for word in our life is to be obedient to that word. You know, it's, it's great to know things, but if you never act on what you know, it's useless information. And obedience is the action upon God's word. Obedience is saying, God, you told me to do this, so I'm going to do it. God, you told me to say this or not say this, and so I'm going to or not going to say that. I will follow your instructions. I will be obedient to your plan and your command. And when we do that, the word says, only then will you prosper and succeed in everything you do. Obedience to God's word brings success in life. Obedience to God's word brings you into his promise. Amen. Amen. And then the fourth point I believe is important for us to know. And I'm just going to tell you, okay, I'm, I'm still preaching the word, but we'd have to go to the New Testament to, to see this in action because it's not listed in uh, Joshua 1, 5 through 9. But the fourth thing that we must do in order to be successful for today is to be led by the Holy Spirit. The Word is our instruction. It, it gives us the truth and wisdom for every area of life. But when you get the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, it's like having a commentator to explain what's going on. Like, better than any of the commentators on ESPN do it, okay? Like, they do a good job, like a really good job. The Holy Spirit does a great job at commenting and telling you what the Word means and what the Word says. He explains it to you. It'd be like, I can read an instruction manual for my car, and like, I might figure it out with that. If I have a mechanic standing next to me that explains what all that means and how it works, we're going to figure it out. Is that right? The Holy Spirit is like having the one that can explain it and tell you what it all means and show you how it works and, and do it in your life. The Holy Spirit's leadership is, the Word is, is our base, it's our foundation. The Holy Spirit is the gift that is supplemental and goes above and beyond. It's God's goodness for us. It's His love spilling over the top of, of what they had in the Old Testament. I believe part of what makes the New Covenant better is that we have a gift of the Holy Spirit that comes as part of that. He's a good one to have alongside you. He's a good one to have explaining it and leading you in the pivot. Because, uh, you know, kind of going back to the example of traveling and, and making adjustments as you travel, I think, you know, we, we can have a map with instructions I mean, people traveled that way for a lot of years. Anybody ever use like MapQuest where you got to print off your instructions and then you just hope you don't mess them up on the way? I did that like one time and then we got Siri, okay? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Siri is like the... Okay, I shouldn't say that in church. I was going to say Siri is like the Holy Spirit. Only in this illustrative example would I say that, okay? But in this case, for our illustration, Siri... It's kind of like the Holy Spirit. When you miss it, the Holy Spirit says, hey, you got to go back. Hey, you need to U-turn if possible. Move it back because you're off course. Have you ever lost your instructions? I have. And then I'm like, what do I do now? Hey, Siri, what do I do? She's always got the answer. Well, not always. A lot of times she's got the answer. But the Holy Spirit always has your answer. 
So if we're led by the Spirit, we will be successful in navigating our pivots. Amen? Amen. Now, as I've kind of alluded to, I feel like this example of Joshua and Moses and Israel is kind of a parallel for me today. And, And maybe you see it that way too, where it's kind of a parallel. We've got someone who's been the leader for about 40 years who's just stepped out. And now here's this young guy that we're, I hope you are happy and expecting great things. <laughs> but like, amen. just, what's that? Yes, amen. Yes, amen. <laughs> but I'll be honest, oh my. As I thought about what Israel might have been thinking in this time, I thought there were probably people like, are we sure about this? Like, can we get Moses back here to make sure this is the right thing? <laughs> And, you know, I think, like I said earlier, there are some differences in that. I I don't know why Israel was like, they probably weren't, but maybe they were kind of like being picky about this. I don't think they should have. I mean, they'd been in the desert for 40 years, right? I mean, they'd been in the desert, okay? So, like, I would think about anything's probably a step up from the desert, you know? Like, if, if we just continue with what we're doing, like... I mean, there's not really, it's not going to get worse. We're already in the desert, okay? So <clears throat> that's a big difference, as I said earlier, from then to now, because this place hasn't been wandering around in the desert for 40 years. This is a ministry that's done incredible things for God. And I feel just a little bit of pressure. <laughs> I think the reason God was talking to Joshua in this conversation we read this morning is because Joshua was probably thinking, I feel a little bit of pressure. I think Joshua and probably some of Israel were thinking, God, you used Moses to bring plagues on Egypt. God, you used Moses to split the Red Sea so we could cross on dry ground. God, you used Moses as our leader to, to bring manna from heaven and provide for us while we were in our time of need. Is it going to still happen? Is it going to keep happening? Are we still going to have it? Are we still going to move forward? Are you still bringing us into your promise? Are we still headed the right direction? God, I'm not so sure about this. And I think Joshua probably felt the same way. He's probably saying, God, How am I supposed to do what you did through Moses? How am I ever going to part a body of water? How how am I ever going to? And what God says is, take your eyes off of you and put them on me. When we put our eyes on our God, we don't have to be afraid about what's coming ahead. We can trust in the promise because we know He is faithful. And what I encourages me so much about this story is what we see with Joshua as time went on. God used Joshua just just after this account. He used Joshua to part the River Jordan. And I think that's so cool because to me that's confirmation that what I did through Moses, I'm going to do through you. Yeah, I I parted a sea with Moses. I'm going to make water stop. Because I'll do the same stuff for you, Joshua. I've got the same promises. I've got the same expectation. 
I've got the same things for you. He went on, Joshua did with God, and they destroyed the city Jericho. You know, they marched around, played the trumpet, and all the walls fell down. It's pretty amazing. Pretty cool. This one, I think, is like, this is really neat too. Did you know that God used Joshua to make the sun stand still so that Israel could finish a battle? That's pretty miraculous. And it was Joshua who God brought Israel into the promised land. God used Joshua to bring Israel into the promise and to divide the land. He gave him the wisdom to administrate and, and split the land up as it was needed throughout the tribes of Israel. God used Joshua just like he used Moses. And when you or I are standing in a moment of change, where we're saying, God, the last part was really good. I'm not so sure this next part will be as good. God says, I'm faithful. Amen. Don't question it. I'm faithful to do it. Put your eyes on me and I will bring you into the promised land. Hallelujah. Yes. Yes. Amen. God is faithful. And we as a church are moving toward a promise. We as a church are moving forward with expectation. I have great expectation on what the next year, five years, ten years, what the future holds for Abundant Life Ministries and for Iowa and for our whole world because we make a difference all over this globe. We're headed towards the promise. This came to me last night as I was praying and, and, and going over this message. We're heading towards the promise, but the landscape is changing. Imagine, if you will, with me, that Israel was moving into the promised land, and maybe instead of fighting giants and having to deal with battles as they did, imagine that the terrain they were trying to travel with, all their people and all their belongings and all their carts, was changing every moment before their eyes. That passages to get into Israel were closing, and other ones far away that they would not have known about were opening. Imagine that the ground was shifting. That's the day we live in. The landscape that we live in is changing. The fabric of our society is changing today. The way people experience God, the way people expect from God, the way people reverence God is changing. And we as the church need to be led by the Holy Spirit so we can navigate the terrain that's ahead. We need, to need, we need to know how to deal with problems that the church hasn't encountered in this way before. We need to know how to deal with people that only know how to communicate off of their phones. We need to be able to know how to deal with people who have, who have a deep emptiness and depression on the inside because they're so empty and all, all their world is them. It's, it's a different landscape. We need to be able to, to work with people who don't look at church like it matters at all. Like, oh yeah, I'll just go if I feel like it. Oh yeah, it's just another social gathering in the week. That's not what the Word says. This, I'm sure that this attitude has been approached before throughout history, but I'm not familiar with a time like this where people so lowly, in, people in the world so lowly regarded the things of God in the ministry. It's a different landscape. Landscape's changing. The paths that we walked for years and years, some of them are closing. Some of them don't work. They're... Routes changed. Rerouting, rerouting. The Holy Spirit tells us where to go. 
the Holy Spirit tells us how to adjust. And it's in points of pivot that we can make the needed adjustments to get to our destination. Because as I said before, the destination hasn't changed, but the way we get there might. The destination stays the same. The destination is the promise. The destination is the expectation. But the way we arrive there might look different. And so I want to tell you not today about what path we travel to get there because that is going to take constant adjustment from me uh, coming in and, and stepping into this role as senior pastor. I need time to evaluate what path we're going to walk forward in, in getting to God's expectation for us. As of right now, we're going to walk the same path. We're just like, listen, Pastor Dave did not coast out and, and just go die on the mountain. He left this church in a very good place. Doing good things with good forward momentum. And so until I hear that we need to pivot and adjust, we're going to keep heading the same direction. Let me tell you what I believe the expectation is. In Matthew 28, 19 through 20, Jesus gave us an expectation as his disciples in the world. What it is he expects us to do while he is in heaven on the throne before he comes back. What is it that we as Christians are to be doing? Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Our expectation is to go. To preach the word. To be lights through our life. To baptize the world. I thought that that baptize the world was kind of neat. It's kind of a neat thing to say because baptize means immerse. You know, if, if we substituted that word out, it would mean immerse the world in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. What does it look like when my life immerses someone else in the truth that they can be a child of God, related and part of, of the inheritance and family of our God in heaven? What does it look like when I bring the redemptive, restorative love of Jesus Christ into the world around me and immerse somebody in that? What does it look like when I take the counsel and direction and comfort, the peace, the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, and I immerse somebody with that? That's a world-changing kind of disciple life. That's something worth going for. If we'll immerse our world in, in the truth that we know, in the, the love of God that we've experienced, in the peace that comes with the comfort of the Holy Spirit in, in the new life we find in Christ, in the inheritance and kingdom family we're part of through our relationship with the Father, that is a life-changing kind of, of experience. And I think we've probably all encountered people in our life that we can say, they immersed me in a quality of God. They, they showed me God's love. They showed me the counsel of, of the Holy Spirit, what it's really like to have God as a real person in your life. I think that's what the world needs today, as much as it has, ever has, is an experience with our God. And that comes through you and I, immersing the world in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
And so here are four things that I expect. And I had this little quote that I came up with. And it's the Jesus, that Jesus tells me what he expects of me. So now I know what I expect of me. Jesus tells me what he expects of me. So now I know what I expect of me. My expectations on myself and what I'm a part of are based on what Jesus has told me he expects of me. I don't set my expectations for me out of my own ambition, out of what I think would be cool or what I want to experience in life. I set my expectations based on what God has said he wants to be produced through me. And here are the four things um, for this message that I believe are expected by Jesus, and therefore I expect of myself and of us as a church. You know, we're Jesus' church. So we go to his expectations, not any one person's. The first one, which we've already touched on, is the message, continuing to go out effectively and efficiently. The gospel to be proclaimed throughout all the world, to go into every nation, every tribe, every tongue, and preach. I believe it's an expectation of our king that we would go and be proclaimers of his gospel. The second thing I believe is expected of the church of, of Christ's body is in Matthew 18, verse 20. And that is that I expect God's presence is here with us and in us. I don't want to go through life wondering where God is. And I don't, because in, in faith, listen, whether... I feel like it today or I don't, my faith knows that God is with me and that God is in me. But let me tell you, it is a good thing to have the cloud come in and the glory be in the place in a way where you can't even continue preaching, Pastor Isaac. That'd be all right, wouldn't it? It'd be better than all right. That would be beyond what words could describe. And I believe that is an expectation. God wants to be present in our place. He needs us to just open up and say, yes, come in here through me, God. I'm going to lift you up. I'm going to worship. I'm going to praise. And I know as you do it, you're here in this place. I believe that God is with us and I expect him to be in this place and inside of us. Amen. First Corinthians 12, four through eight. And if we have this one, I'd like to put this up on the screen so we can read through it. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 8. The third thing I expect, because I believe it is an expectation Christ has set, is that the Holy Spirit, gifts and power are in operation in our lives and in our church. In 1 Corinthians 12, 4, Paul writes about the gifts. He says, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. They all come from the same Holy Spirit. Let's go on and read verse 5. <clears throat> there are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And we can just keep going. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, I can read out of my Bible. It might go a little quicker if I do that. I'll pull it up real quick. You guys are doing a good job back there, though. Aren't we glad for our sound team? Yes. Sound and video. Can we give them a hand while I'm turning over to 1 Corinthians? 
All right, 1 Corinthians 12, and we were reading 4 through 8. Diversities of gifts, same spirit. <clears throat> it is the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one as He wills individually. I believe this is a place, a church, and a people that the Holy Spirit can work through. That he will bring his gifts into this church. I want gifts of prophecy here. I want gifts of miraculous healing here. I want gifts of special faith here. I want gifts of tongues and interpretation in this place. Because it is God's expectation that his church is open to his gifts. What kind of people rejects the gifts that their master wants to give them? Not I. It won't be us. It won't be here. We are a place that is fully receptive and expectant of the works of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And the fourth point in Matthew 9, verse 37, is this. I expect the harvest. Yes. I expect that through this place, the work God is doing in people's hearts and lives outside of these walls begin to come in. That they would know Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. That they would know there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. That they would know there is new life, new birth available through Christ. And that as people say yes, they would be counted as one of the harvest that we are sent to reap. He said to the disciples, the harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Well, I see a few laborers here today. And I say no matter what it is we're going through, no matter what adjustments we're making, no matter the circumstances we're facing, I believe there's an expectation that we are those faithful few willing to labor for the harvest of Christ. That we are willing to be the ones that reach and gather to Christ the people who he's working to bring in. We know that the word says that it's him who does the growing. Some are given to plant the seeds, some are given to water, some are given to harvest, but it's him who does the growing. God is a faithful grower. He's been growing for the last, well, since the beginning of time, he's been growing all kinds of things. Since this ministry has been here, he has been growing in the people that we've touched and impacted. And I believe a time of harvest is coming. That we will bring in what God has been working out there. We will bring in the people that God has been touching in their life. Who he has been changing and ministering to and revealing himself through people. I believe that those ones are coming in as part of the harvest that God's expecting from us. Amen? Amen. And so these are four things that I believe are expectations of a New Testament church. And that's what we are. And so I have the expectation that what God expects will be fulfilled. He wouldn't expect it of us if he hadn't promised it to us. He's the giver of every good and perfect gift. He is the creator of all. He is the source. Meaning, if he's asked us to do it, he's already prepared a way for it to be done. 
All we have to do is say, yes, I will go. Yes, Lord, send me. Yes, Lord, use my church. Yes, God, use Abundant Life Ministries to complete what you expect. Bring us into your promised land. And our part of that is to travel the path that the Word and the Holy Spirit reveal. Trusting that God is faithful and being obedient to what He has instructed us to do. Amen? Amen. Do you guys want me to keep preaching? (laughs) I'll go quick, I promise. (laughs) I've got one more page and I'm going to go through it quickly. I've alluded to this a couple times in the past, well, like the two times I've preached in the past. One of the things I did before I accepted the position as senior pastor here at Abundant Life is I read what this church's mission is. It's very close to my heart, the mission that this church has. And, and for me, it was a confirming thing that I could say yes to coming here because the mission that has been established here for years is the mission that has been established in my life as well. So I... I've come into this church with this mission and supporting it, and we're going to continue completing this mission as we move forward. The first thing that we are is a family church. We're in and of ourselves a family, the family of God. We support one another like family. We love one another like family. We teach one another like family. And we are also committed to being a family-developing environment where everyone from oldest to youngest can grow into God's design for their life. That's who we are as a family. And you know what families do with one another? They love. This morning as as I go through these, I'm going to give you four verbs. Four things that I believe we ought to do as a church. That as our mission is to be a family church, an evangelistic church, a place of refuge and refreshing, and a launching pad for ministries, I believe there are four things that if we accept the mission of this church and the mission God has given us, then these are four things we will do with our life. And the first one is love. The second point, as I mentioned, is we are an evangelistic church. It's a place where the Word of God is taught. We teach the Word because it's true. We believe in the absolute truth of God's Word. And as such, we pursue a life of worship in spirit and in truth. We let God show us in the truth we speak in the way we live. We show the world Christ by the truth we speak and the spirit-led life we live. That is our evangelism to the world, is speaking the truth of the word and living out the power of the Holy Spirit, allowing him to operate in our life every single day. We're a spirit-led church. Lifestyle Christianity is Jesus, his city on a hill kind of light that we desire to be. Don't you want to be his light in the world? This is the way we do it. By being people of spirit and people of truth. That's the light. Living a life of spirit and truth is our evangelism to the world. And so the second thing that I think and believe we must do to complete the mission God's given us is reach. We reach the world around us with the spirit and with the truth that God has provided for us. The third is a place of refuge and refreshing. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. Jesus is the one who brings rest and restoration into our lives. He is our refuge. We, as his body on earth today, are committed to being channels through whom he can provide refuge and refreshing for people. 
Imperfect people serving a perfect God is who we are and what we do. And because of his goodness, people are helped and healed. I believe that part of us being a place of refuge and refreshing is being the active body of Christ in the world. We are his hands. We are his feet. And so I believe as people come to us and encounter us, his body on the earth, they should experience the same kind of refreshing, restoring, refuge, power that Jesus carried while he was on the earth. Do you agree with that? So I believe the third thing we ought to do as the church is restore. Love, reach, and restore people. Then the fourth and final missional statement we have is that we are a launching pad for ministries. We believe every person was created for a ministry. Some people may minister as preachers, some as business leaders, others governors, some through arts and skills and other areas of service. All of these are valid and all are necessary in God's kingdom. Our desire as a church is to see you launch into a life of ministry, equipped, encouraged, and expectant to receive God's blessing for you. And so the fourth thing I believe we do as a church is launch. Love, reach, restore, and launch. Do you agree with that? That we ought to be a place that loves, reaches, and restores, and launches? If you agree, I want you to just say those with me. Love, reach, restore, and launch. Turn to a neighbor and say, love, reach, restore, and launch. Let's pray and dismiss service today. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that in this pivotal moment of our church, of our lives, you are present, God. You are faithful. You've given your word, and through our obedience to your instruction, and through our obedience to the Holy Spirit and his leading, Lord, you will lead us well through this time of adjustment and pivot. God, you know where we are headed. You know what is on the path before us. Lord, I pray that as we submit ourselves to your leading, you direct us correctly to navigate to our destination. That we would come into your promise, Lord, through our obedience and willingness to follow the path you've laid before us. God, we thank you for that. And two, Lord, we accept the mission today to be a church that loves, reaches, restores people, and launches ourselves and others into the ministry that God's called them to, Lord. Let us be equippers. Let us be restorers. Let us be lovers. And let us be those, God, who reach the world with your light, bringing in the harvest for your kingdom, God. We know that you have expectation for us, and we say yes to it today. Church, if you believe that, say yes with me today. Yes, yes God, we say yes to you today. Yes. We say yes to your expectations. We say yes to your plans. We say yes to your destination. Yes. We live our lives to go where you send us. Praise you for it, Lord. We believe these things and we thank you for this word today. Thank you that it is not only good for our church and ministry in this time of change, but God, it is also true in our lives each and every day that if we know you're faithful and trust in that, look to your word, are obedient to it and led by the Holy Spirit, God, we will come out of pivots correctly. And these pivotal moments will be times we can look back upon with great joy saying, look what the Lord has done. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Church, thank you for coming this morning. We'll see you next time. Two At 2 o'clock today. <laughs>
So if you're able, please come out. We'll be right here again at 2 o'clock for a, a special time of installation. Go and be blessed. You are dismissed.